Like notes through the hourglass, these are the songs of our lives. Welcome to episode two of Songs of Our Lives. I am Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. My guest today is a person who has become a friend and someone who is just, I don't know, because like I, I say this in the intro, but genuinely, genuinely become one of my favorite people in the world. It's Nina Dante. And I, I talked to her on the Seltzer Salon a couple months ago about her project, The Snake's End of the River, which continues to be one of the most wonderful things on the internet it's her instagram tiktok youtube channel um that explores nature and witchy things and um early music and medieval poems and literature and just just so much good stuff and it continues like i mean the amount that she does i mean it's almost daily videos it really blows my mind um but where nina first came onto my radar is she is a world-class soprano and and a composer and like i mean she her her music is mind-boggling and she did this album with bethany young a couple years ago on talk editions that's it's called lizard tongue it is it two three years on however many i can't remember when it came out i think it was 2021 so it's probably been two and a half years um i think about it at least every couple weeks because i've never heard anything like it I'd never heard anything like it when I heard it. I've never heard anything like it since. And I just, it's an album that it kind of reshaped my brain on thinking about, you know, where possibilities could go, especially with voice. And, and it's not something I've explored in my own music. Cause I, frankly, I, I don't have the guts. I don't think. Um, but yeah, so I was that in the, in the seltzer salon conversation. I just, Nina seemed like a great guest for this because I want to know more about how Nina Dante became Nina Dante. <laughs> and so that is, uh, that's what this is. So she, she, we recorded this on zoom and we had way too much fun. And so I hope you enjoy it. So my guest today is a vocalist and a composer, a harpist, and has one of the coolest channels on the internet called The Snake's Side of the River and is genuinely one of my favorite people. Everybody welcome Nina Dante. Thanks so much for having me, Brad. I'm really excited. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. Um, before we get into it, though, so I I think I may have mentioned this when we were on the social one, like the album you did with bethany young was sort of the first that was when you really came out of my radar as like your stuff and i we didn't really talk about it on that show because we talked about snake said to the river and i'm just i've always wondered like how did that what were the like what was the process or like the sessions writing sessions recording sessions for that like because that album sounds like nothing i've ever heard oh my gosh it was probably the most fun I've ever had working on creating music with another person. It was so amazing. So we were both interested in making an album that just used our voices and also entities from the natural world. So sticks, rocks, leaves, uh, just, you know, anything that we've kind of collected in our wanders through the world. So the the kind of pre-recording rehearsal sessions just involved us like throwing everything we had into a pile on the floor and just sitting on the floor and playing around with different sounds, using our voices in different ways. Um, and then we we sort of made an outline of some different chapters of sound that we wanted to explore but really most of the composition actually happened in the recording studio we were working at the columbia university um studio so we'd just sit in there in the dark for hours oh 
of playing around and it it was it was truly amazing and you know at the time this was pre-covid so i had no idea really how to use um microphones and mm. logic and you know recording right. technology and stuff so i learned so much from bethany she she really taught me how to um use these things and i'm so grateful to her um she's such an amazing that's, person so awesome. yeah it was just it was so it was so much fun <laughs> yeah it well i think it comes through because it i just i don't know i put that record on every so often and I'm, it's just this other world it's wild in the best way are you guys ever going to do another one i'm not sure um <laughs> i hope so that would yeah. be so much fun it would be interesting to see what a follow-up to that right experience would be you know and especially because so much has happened in the years since we recorded that a lot has changed um we both have left the city she got a great job um and i'm out in the pacific northwest now so our environments are really different and i'm sure that what we're both doing has you know moved in, right. in different <laughs> unexpected directions so it would be really amazing to see what yeah. happens well i'll keep my fingers crossed and i'll just me too i'll, I'll keep bringing it up to anybody who listens like <laughs> be like hey you, somebody should commission this so um well and I ha- uh, hey i'm doing what i can <laughs> um <laughs> I have to, we have to talk about Snake's Head of the River for a second too. So we're kind of getting into, well, it doesn't feel anything like fall here yet, but it's, it's coming. It's, and I know you do like, I, one of the things I really like about it is how it's like this season, their seasonal shifts are reflected in the episode. So I'm curious, like what you're, I mean, it's probably, I don't know. I don't know. Is it feeling more like fall there? Or is it still? It is. It just started this week. There's like that dry pull in the air and mm. it's cool and it's so very jealous. windy. Uh, uh, I I wish I could send it to you. It's <laughs> glorious. So hopefully it holds up because yeah. um, we need the rain over here, as does yes. nearly everywhere right now. Well, right. Yeah. Um, well, like, what are you what are you looking forward to for fall for the channel for, you know? What's coming up? Well, I love curating the Snake Said to the River for fall because, of course, that's Halloween time and spooky season and the autumn (laughs) equinox and all these delicious things. So one thing that I'm planning is I'm going to release a um, like music compilation on YouTube sometime around the autumn equinox just for people to play during this spooky autumn season. So something you can just press play and hang out and have on. Um, So that'll be a lot of my original compositions actually that I wrote last year during the fall season. Nice. Um, The Dance of the Black Cat, the Meeting of Guinevere and the Ghost, you know, (laughs) yummy stuff like that. That's wonderful. I'm also planning to uh, arrange some old spooky folk songs that I haven't done before. So I'm really excited about that. And hopefully some fall foraging um, and maybe some little baking projects and crafts and things like that. So still planning it out, but I'm excited. I can't wait for that mix. Uh, Have you always been in, like, has Halloween always been a big thing for you? Yes, I love Halloween. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I love Halloween. I love Valentine's Day. I love the whole Yule season. I, I'm huge on holidays and I add as many as I can in every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just, you know, why not? They're fun. Yeah. You get to do special things. Do you have any favorite costumes from when you were a kid? Oh my gosh. Well, so many. My mom used to make our costumes when we were little. Amazing. And one year, (laughs) you know, the opera, The Magic Flute by Mozart. I was really obsessed with this when I was really little because uh, my grandmother gave me a kid's tape of the story of the magic flute. And I fell in love with the queen of the night. I was just like this lady. She's so evil and fabulous. And, you know, she sings this wild aria. And I was just out of my mind for this character. So my mom sewed me a Queen of the Night costume. That's amazing. It was amazing. I, I live for that, that is memory. So good. Oh putting it on and being like, I am die Königin der Nacht now. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I love that. That's so good. How old were you, you think? 
I was probably four. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's even better. I was little, because I'm like remembering my little sister was a baby at the time. So yeah, oh I was is something like that. I think my favorite one that my kid has had. I think she may have been four. Or three. She kept saying we kept asking what she wanted to be, and she just kept saying for months. She was like, "I want to be a birthday cake. I want to be a birthday cake." That's right. And so we made her a birthday cake costume and it was, it's still my favorite. Like It, it is it, a chance to embody what you love. I know. And the girl loves love birthday, birthday cake? cake. Hey, I don't, you know, I think she gets that from me. We were talking the other day how much we love birthday cake. Um, it's delicious. It is. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. So, well, that's a good way to sort of segue into this. Like, what is the first song that you remember? Oh, wow. Okay. So it is a lullaby called Linda Manita. And I know it, I'm half Dominican. And um, when I was a baby, my grandmother, my abuela would sing this song to me. And there's like a little motion that you make with your hand, you hold your hand up and you just turn it from side to side. So kind of, it's like a teaching song, Mm -hmm. I guess, teaching motor skills. But uh, the only thing that I remember is the first line, which is Linda manita que tengo yo. That's all I remember. <laughs> but I can hear her voice. My abuela has a really distinctive voice. I cannot imitate it. I would give anything to be able to imitate her voice. It's so cool and interesting. It's like brass when she oh, speaks, wow. like a super metallic voice. So I love the sound of her voice. So I can just hear her in my mind. That's oh, that's fantastic. I yeah, the, I this was one that I was not familiar with at all. So when I listened to it, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just so sweet and lovely. So that makes totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I love those kind of, Yeah, I love those kind of memories. Those are um, my grandma used to. She was German, so she used to sing German lullabies. So I don't really remember any of them, but I I, I, I just have like these vague memories of her singing in German. I don't remember the songs. Well, if, you but... ever, if you ever can recall any to mind, you'll have to let me know so that I can add them to my list of songs I want to sing. Oh, perfect. I'm always looking for new lullabies. I love lullabies. Yeah. Oh, I love lullabies too. Um, I always like, I always kind of feel like I look for that feeling in like contemporary music or if I hear something like experimental music that has that feeling, it just, I'm it's like, okay, I'm here for this. Yes. <sighs> um, well, on a different tangent here, what is the song that makes you cry? Oh, lot. This this one was hard because there are quite a few, but the one that really came to the top of my mind is "Orphan Girl" yeah. by Jillian Welch. There was this whole there was an episode in my life when I was living in New York where I was just really down, like not feeling good, mm-hmm. and I would just go on a walk and listen to this song, and just allow myself to feel bad yeah yeah for myself (laughs) um but it's such a a beautiful song like first of all you have her voice which already is like interlaced with a plaintiveness that's Mm -hmm. in all of her songs like she there's a heaviness in her energy that's really interesting and unique to her but then the song is just so sad. It's it's oh, about an orphan girl. I have no mother, no father, no sister, no brother. And she's just looking forward to the day that, you know, she'll be reunited with them in a hypothetical heavenly situation. Right. Um, oh, it just breaks my heart. I, oh, it's it's devastating song. I, yeah. I remember reading it and I found it. I went and found it again, like how she talked about how she didn't real even think about its autobiographical aspects until somebody said something because she's adopted. And so, and, and she had this really great quote. It was something along the lines of you, when you have a dream, you don't realize what it's about until you tell someone the next day and how with this, I know. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Oh, knife in the heart. I know. And it's, oh, that song is, I hadn't thought about it in a while when I saw them. I was like, I had to like prepare myself to listen because <laughs> it's so no, heavy. You, you can't just jump into that song. It'll break your heart. Oh, yeah. it has that like, you know, 
I, I feel like uh, it makes me think of Charles Dickens because mm. he wrote so beautifully about the plight of the orphan, the homeless, um, the destitute. And so I always kind of think about him when I hear that song yeah. too. Yeah, that it definitely embodies a, that spirit in a it's yeah. so, and it's uh and her voice is just oh like my gosh one of the great voices. I know it's so spare. Yeah, you know her voice is like just a skeleton. I love that so much. I know, and in this song too, like everything, feel, like the whole, like the arrangement of it, it just all feels very, yeah, yeah, sparse, and it just the music, the like chord progressions, it all embodies that feeling, and it. I think it just adds the intensity of it, really. But um, it, it gives her, it gives her that space to really. I mean, she it's her voice that just. <laughs> yeah, you barely need the music, the yeah. <laughs> you know right. instruments behind her. Yeah. Well, on the opposite side of that coin, what's the song that always puts you in a better mood? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is an old French song um, by Guillaume de Machaut. And it's called Douce Dame Jolie, which means sweet, beautiful lady. And I just love it so much because he's just like begging this lady to take him on. You know, he's like mm -hmm. so in love with her. And he's just like, oh, God, please, you cannot think that anyone else in the world can take the space of you in my life. You know, and he just goes on and on. And it just has this like beautiful kind of uh, what's the word? This forward-moving melody, it's very, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it just makes me happy. I, like, want to go do a crazy demon dance or something when I hear it. It's great. Yeah, I always feel like it has this kind of trance-inducing quality to it when I was listening to it. Yeah, it, it reminded yeah. me, and, and then and there's some, like, kind of buzzy instrument. I don't know what it is, but I find it so pleasing. And it remind, it it kind of reminded me of, so there's this box set that I don't know came out in the '90s, and it's called this "The Music of Islam." It's like 15 mm. CDs, and it's from all over the world. But there's one of the CDs is from Turkey, and it's like music of whirling dervishes. And for oh. some reason, this kind of because I think there's also like a there's like this medieval undercurrent on this song too. So like this ancient feeling, and that. It was, I think, what reminded me of the music. I don't know. It's it's like a really weird connection that my brain instantly went to. Because, again, this was a song I wasn't familiar with. And so I put it on. It was like, ooh. And so then I spent like an hour going after I listened to this. I was like, oh, I got to go listen to that CD now. But um, I, That is a beautiful CD. I think I sent you the recording by Hoglaresa. Um, I, I think I so. I love that album. That's one that I've listened to many, many times over the past year. It's it's super beautiful. But I agree with you about that idea about the sort of trance-like quality of the music. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot with the music of that era. It, there aren't like there aren't very many different chords, so it kind of allows you to like float I mean, yeah. in this space. Yeah, and this one especially. It because it, it has it's mostly um it's in Dorian. It, it just has three chords, but mostly it's just cycling through two chords. Mm -hmm. So it just lets you get into this like dancey, trancey space that I really enjoy. Yeah, I was yeah, I, I again like I never heard it. I was like, oh, oh, wait. <laughs> I need more of this so in delicious. my life. Delicious. Um <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And um i want to i don't know i just yeah i need more of that music in my life um okay so now remember this is objectively what is objectively and i say that uh, with tongue in cheek because yeah, if anybody no, if, an, if anybody if anybody knows anything about foxy digitalis I, I don't believe in objectiveness when it comes to music and art really um no, but gotta live what, your life. what is objectively the best song oh. of all time. <laughs> Brad, you killed me with this question. I actually, I literally cannot answer it. But I have to say, one of the best songs, objectively, of all time has to be Creep of Radiohead. Oh, wow. That is not what I thought this was going to be the answer for. Okay. It is a perfect song. 
It's a perfect song. I don't know what to say. It just is. I remember when I first heard it. This was uh-huh. one in high school in Florida in the car after getting a haircut with my awesome hairstylist I had at the time. She was so great. Um, and Creep came on the radio and I lost my mind. And even oh at the gosh. time, I was like, this is a perfect song. And it remains a perfect t- song. And every time I hear it, I just want to fall on the floor. I, yeah, I remember the first time I heard it. And like the only, the main memory I have is the, like Johnny Greenwood guitar. Like, yes. it was just like, like, what the hell just happened? And yeah, I know. It just underscores the total misery, almost <laughs> like, almost beatific misery of the song it's yeah. amazing are you do you are you, are you still a radiohead fan or oh i i really like radiohead okay. yeah i really love their music i think it's so good and i love tom york's voice i think it's beautiful and they're great performers i've never yeah. seen them live but i've watched videos and i saw um, them i saw them at the gorge in washington and oh like gosh. 2001 it was the kid a and amnesiac tour and it was oh my gosh it was unbelievable it was <laughs> it's the only time i've ever been to that venue which is i i like i usually don't like really big shows i get a lot of anxiety yeah. around it but at that time yeah. though, i mean i was like 20 so it was like who cares you were fine <laughs> yeah like if i went now i would probably have a panic attack but <laughs> yeah I'm, um, not, I'm not really into big menus either they do they make me nervous <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's so overwhelming but but yeah. i am i am glad that i got to see that and yeah they're a band that i admire because they like they don't just rest on like what they do well i mean what they do well is no. so many things but like their last album was one of my favorite albums the moon shape pool album i thought was so good Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. So and, beautiful. And unexpected. Like I would have never guessed that that was a record they would make. And then, but then once you hear it, yeah. like, oh, of course they've made that record. <laughs> that album, I, I, it is emblematic of an era of my life. Um, it had recently come out and I was living in New York and um, had just sort of like my life situation had sort of changed. I had just gone through a breakup, but I was feeling really good. And I would just put it on and walk mm, yeah. for hours. And so that album like reminds me of certain streets in the city and just a mood right. of that time. That's really funny. Yeah. I have a very similar relationship to Kid A because it was when it came out, <laughs> I was going through like a, some big changes and I have memories of like late at night, I would just put it on my headphones and go like at midnight and just go walk through the neighborhood around the apartment that I lived in. Uh, yeah. So a mood. It's such a mood. Yeah. That mood. Yes. I, it's I can't like really explain it, but dangerous. it's dangerous. It yeah. yeah. We all it, know it. We right. all know the mood. It's a little bit on the edge and it's, but it's also yeah. just, and there's just something, especially when you're out. I mean, it's probably different in like New York because New York's busy. Like there's always stuff going on, but yeah, here, it's like you would go walk through these neighborhoods at 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. And it's just dead. And it was, <laughs> and it was, but it was, and it was, it was like equal parts spooky, but also really peaceful. And that the intersection of those two things is just ah, perfect. Plus kid a in your ears. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. It was, yeah. <laughs> Wild. It was, it, it was a mood. That is a good way to put it. Um, oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, if that's the greatest song of all time, what is the song that you used to love, but now you find it a bit cringeworthy? Well, again, it's like, <laughs> I guess it's cringeworthy. I suppose I should feel that it's more cringeworthy than it is. <laughs> but it's uh, this song, Eternal Flame by the by the Bangles. I think that's it's a great just... song. <laughs> song. I still love it. I love it. And I'm like, I listen to it and I'm like, I know... I know that this should be cringeworthy. Yeah. And I suppose in part it is, but also, also I can't help myself. Oh, I think it's, I, yeah, again, I, I wouldn't have guessed that was going to be the pick for this category. Cause I think it's, 
I was listening to it this morning after I dropped my kid off at school. I was like, oh, I need to, like, I made a playlist of these th- of some of these songs so I could just be in the, you know, have some things to say, even though I have like two pages of notes. But, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're small pages. So, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but still, that's um, a page. And I think I, I, when I was very, I think I had like a huge crush on Susanna Hoffs before I even really knew what that meant. I think I just, it was <laughs> so. I don't know. I I love this song. I, I I see what you mean. Like it should be cringeworthy, but it's not. It's just not. You know, I love just the pure, unclouded drama of the yeah. song. You know, is this burning an eternal flame? Is oh, it? I know. It's is so. It? I know. It's so melodramatic. But in this, you know, close your eyes. Give me your hand, darling. <sighs> Who writes these things now? I want to hear it. I, I Right. That's the thing. You know, we talked last time on the Seltzer Salon about earnestness. Like, it's so yes. earnest. And it, and I it's, know. It's maybe a little, you know, we, we, I also believe it's like you can't be earnest all the time. And maybe there, there, is, there are lines. Like, as if you're just 24-7 earnest, that would get annoying. But, like, there are points of this song that maybe it's like, you maybe get really close to the line of being able to say, but I love it. I can't help it's it. It's so good. It scratches yeah. an itch. Yeah, that's a good way to put so, it. So, <laughs> yeah. And of course, like, beautiful voice, beautiful arrangement. The bass yeah. in there is very, and it always catches me by surprise. Because yeah. it's a, it sounds like an acoustic bass, like just, you know, a Yeah, bass. it's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it adds like such an unexpected timbre to the rest of yes. the, yeah, the rest of the arrangement. I Totally. Yeah, agree. that like more shimmery sound mm-hmm. and the rest of it. It's just it's interesting. It's it, beautiful. It's dramatic. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll accept it as an answer, but I don't think it's <laughs> I mean, I don't really either, but I, I was trying to think about this and like honestly, part of the problem with me is that I try to be really careful to never um like talk shit about what past versions of myself was really into or like what really was doing it for me at a certain time because that that's me that's who i was that that was what i needed and who am i to uh make past versions of myself feel bad for living her life and you know it's why I, i i don't really believe in the idea of guilty pleasures either it's like if you like it like it like, yeah, I know that's just it's that's you just know what you are. <laughs> it's it's like one of the things that Sam and I talk about a lot on our rancid podcast is this idea of radical acceptance of just like mm. if you like it, just own it. Like it's yes, you know. I mean, and also don't blindly love things. Like there are things. I mean, there are things that I like from when I was younger that are, in hindsight, there are problems with them. And like, be mm-hmm. open and upfront about that, and think about those things, and talk about the things. But it doesn't mean you can't like this song. Like, it has a visceral yes th- memory for you. And so, you know, I yeah. Well, and I think too with like large scale radical self acceptance, I think such an important part of that is like being able to be really clear eyed about things that are not good for you yes. versus things that you feel like are an indulgence or that you shouldn't or that it's wrong mm-hmm. or it's not like this or that enough or whatever. Like if you can be clear about what really isn't bad, what what really is literally bad for you in right. your life and yeah. work on moving away from those things, then I think it just leaves more space to enjoy what matters to you it's... and what makes you happy and, you know. I could not agree birthday more. Cake. Yes, birthday cake. Have birthday. that birthday cake. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, on the flip side, what is the song that you know people don't like? It's maybe critically, it's panned, whatever. But you love it. You absolutely love it. Okay, so this one I couldn't answer because I actually don't. I was trying to think of it, but I don't have context. So I feel I, like I've never had like pushback. I. I totally get that. And I think I'm going to add a note on this one. It's like, you can create your own context. Cause for me, cause I was having, and, and you'll find out whenever we record this in reverse, I had to pick like, okay, there's this specific thing of like, 
it's basically there's a song that in my house I can't listen to it because everybody else hates it. And oh, I no. <laughs> like and I love it and think it's wonderful. And it's mostly my daughter. She'll be like, You turn that off. And no. so so that's you know so that's like not everybody hates it because i don't either and i don't know either you know i'm even though i have like a music website and i write reviews and do all those things i have no idea what people love and hate <laughs> like yeah i know it's hard to it's hard to get a like idea of that i don't know why because people are expressing opinions like all day long every day yeah so but yeah i just couldn't find my context that's fair enough it's a hard one so and you make I'm up sorry. for it by <laughs> no you made up for it by picking three from the optional section so which nobody who's listening to this knows what i'm talking about but that's fine uh, <laughs> okay well moving on to better things what is the most romantic song oh okay nina simone mm-hmm. wild is the wind that yeah. is like the embodiment of dangerous romance the lyrics, the tune, her voice. Oh my god. Her like voice. a fire in the night. Oh yeah. my gosh. It yeah, it's you it, touch me, I hear the sound of mandolins. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is I can't I can barely bear it. It's yeah. one that like sometimes I'll put on and just lay down on the floor <laughs> and like let gravity crush me because yeah. it's it's so intense. Beautiful. It's, it, and it's one of those songs it's like obviously like nina simone is nina simone and one of the greatest yeah. singers ever but like this song is especially like i feel like you feel her voice in a way oh. that you don't all the time and oh god yeah and i really love the piano in this song too like i feel like oh, her playing is miraculous oh, i know it's like how are you doing that I don't know and singing and the way that she arranged the band behind her like all these kind of wind gusts of sounds it really it really gets you in that space yeah you just Um, get totally lost in the moment of it I mean it's it it takes it sweeps you away I mean talk about a song like sweeping you off your feet there you go (laughs) yes well and really it she created it in a way that you've it provokes that feeling of passion in you. Mm. You can't escape unscathed from the song, or at least I can't. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that no, that, so that's such that that's a really good pick. Um, oh, love that song. Well, what is a song that changed your perspective on an artist? Okay, so I saw that and I was like, I am so ready for this question. <laughs> okay, okay, the song is "Dancing in the Dark." Bruce Springsteen. So what happened was this. It like several years ago, it was like sometime during lockdown. Um, I I teach voice and piano and I uh was in one of my students' lessons and she was like, Oh, you know what I want to learn? I want to learn Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, Bruce Springsteen? What? Mm. And I just hadn't really ever you know, listening or like thought about it. Like I just had this vague idea in my mind that Bruce Springsteen wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to the song because I don't know it. And I pulled it up on YouTube and it was a live recording Mm. of a performance. And I lost my mind. (laughs) Like I immediately fell in love with this guy. And then I listened to everything of his Mm -hmm. basically and became very obsessed the obsession persists yeah and um i just can't stop listening to him i think he's a true bard an amazing songwriter storyteller the music is awesome i I know he's the boss you know i'm not gonna fight it i'm not gonna fight this i i love bruce springsteen I, you do. Oh my God, I love Bruce Springsteen. I love, I've, I love him. I think it was it was about and and I had a similar experience and it was I don't know it was maybe what year is it twenty twenty three like twelve thirteen years ago and I heard I which song was it I can't even remember what song it was now but I heard something I was like wait oh, what? no it was have to it was a, it was a, I remember it now it's a it's a live recording of Thunder Road but it's just him and on the piano. Oh my gosh. And it is. Yum. Yeah. And it, 
it just kind of stopped me in my track and i did the same thing i was like i gotta listen to everything and then and and the thing i one of the things i love about bruce springsteen is he's like in his 70s and he's still like even his i don't he, he's still good like he's still doing his music it. is amazing yeah i know you know actually the first album that i listened to after i heard dancing in the dark was his it was his current album at the time, Letters to You, I think, or Letters from You. Mm-hmm. Great, great yeah. album. Awesome. Yeah. I loved it. There were a few tracks on there that I'll just like pick out and listen to when I need them, you know? Yeah. Oh. Um, so, so do you have a favorite Springsteen song? Like if you had to pick one? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the one that like really puts a knife in my heart is The River. It's mm, a good one. There are so many of his songs, like there are so many that like I don't want to live without, you know, but of all of them, I feel like that really displays a lot of what's so special about him, mm-hmm. kind of cutting to the heart of things and also just like amazing music, music that makes you want to like move, you yeah. get up and, and move and be part of it. But it's such a, it's a really sad song just about, you know, like the sort of everyday tragedies that happen Mm-hmm. if two people in tough circumstances and you know at the uh, end he like yeah. turns a line of the chorus uh you know there the chorus there's the, the main line is i went down to the river you know mm-hmm. and the idea was that he'd be down at the river with um and swimming around and but the last he turns it around in the last chorus and he's like i went down to the river though i know the river is dry Oh, so good. Yeah, he's incredible. Mine's mine's Incident on 57th Street. It's like, I can't live without that song. Oh, wait, you know what? I can't recall that one. Oh, uh, it's the one about Puerto Rican What about, Jane. what's that one? So it's like Puerto Oh, yeah, no, I can't recall that one. Oh, my gosh, Spanish Johnny. It's like this whole, uh, you have to listen oh, to Oh, now it. I'm going to listen to it as soon as we oh, gosh, are done with this. I love that. I mean, there's so many. I just, I I love the boss. And I've, so... My my dad as a grandfather, so my dad's name is George. And whenever so I have a niece who she's twenty-one, so her and my daughter are eleven years apart in age. But whenever my sister was pregnant, you know, and, and you go through the thing of like, what are the grandparents gonna be called? What are and so my oh, yeah. dad my dad was like, I'm gonna be old George. You gotta call me old George. Old George. Oh, and, and he and everyone we were all like, No, no, he's like, No, that's what it is and and so and the best thing is so my when my niece was little like she couldn't say it so she called him douge but (laughs) yeah this is so great (laughs) but like i always i've always i've told my daughter i was like well if you ever have kids i was like i'm gonna be old boss so that's gonna be my oh my god my homage to bruce springsteen (laughs) i may have met someone with an equal obsession Today. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that you love Bruce Springsteen. That makes me so happy. I have no. I mean, no I'm like idea. passionate about Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I think he's great. And then uh, I'm, I'll mention it, that cover song I sent you of this version, that Norwegian guy. Oh. I still can't believe that's a thing that exists because, like this, like I said, this is one of those songs I would think you don't. This is a song you don't cover. Like this is a perfect song you don't yeah. cover. And then when I heard that, I was like, okay, I guess you can <laughs> if you do it that way. Well. It's beautiful. And I feel something that really moved me about that performance. First of all, I mean, the guy was angelic. It was yeah, really it was, awesome. Yeah. But um, it just showed how subtle and uh, layered Springsteen's mm-hmm. lyric writing is. Yeah. That it really can exist outside of the song and become many things for many yeah. people. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, and it, it was just like, man, the Bruce Springsteen can write a lyric. He can write a lyric. Oh, that's awesome. This him. is this makes me so happy. Well, hey, that's a great what a, great segue. <laughs> what are your favorite lyrics? Like either a song or just oh, okay. like a line. Well, I feel bad because you and I have talked about this before. Okay. My favorite lyrics are they're a set of lyrics from the medieval oh, era, I think mm-hmm. the 14th century, and it it's it was a song, but the um, melody was lost to time. Yeah. So all we have are the lyrics, and it's this it's a song called "Maiden in the Morley," and I love it so much because you know most of the time with medieval music, you hear about women kind of in the context of like, 
love, love intrigue, marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. women didn't have much freedom. They had almost no freedom in those days. Right. Um, And you really don't hear them talked about in contexts outside of uh, their use to men. Mm -hmm. But this song is so wild. It's just about a woman camping out on the moor for seven nights in a day. And she's eating flowers. She's drinking from a remote river source. She's sleeping under the stars. There, she's sleeping on a bed of roses. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's it's almost an impossible thing. It's, right. I can't believe it exists. Right, but it does. I, whenever we talked about this on Seltzer, yeah, that's the thing. I I can't believe it's real because it's like right? I think you were talking about how it's like. It's really feminist from it that is. time period. <laughs> like what? I feel it's it remains feminist yeah. now. Like we, right. st- you know, still fighting for stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but to have like a sort of feminist anthem coming from the medieval <laughs> right. era, it's like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, there's it, like it's so important. I know it's and yeah, it's like one of those it's like people need to know about this. I mean, you know, I know people do, but more. You know, I didn't know Spread about the it, word. So. Yeah, there we. That's like. You, I mean, I didn't know about it till like maybe a year ago, maybe less. Wow. Yeah, well, that makes I'm so feel grateful I if, came across it. Yeah. yeah, no, it should be taught in schools. It should be. I totally agree. That's. It'll never be taught in schools in Oklahoma, but it should be taught in schools. Or Florida. In, yeah, or Florida, <laughs> or many other places. Sadly. Yeah, so um, many places. <laughs> Let's move on now to what is the last song you completely fell in love with? Oh, okay. So this is a an old Finnish spoke song called La Tarara. And I love it. First of all, the tune is really cool. It's very like mm-hmm. languid and kind of dancey. Yes. Like there's there's a kind of sensuality to it that I really like. And the lyrics are super cool. So it's about a woman and uh She's dressed in green, a green dress with lots of ruffles, and it's covered in bells. And the story has her dancing through the landscape. So she has this long silk train that's um, going over plants, the retama, which I believe is like a flowering broom plant, and yerba buena, which is mint. And she's dancing through olive groves. um, And uh, the chorus is so interesting because it goes la tarara si la tarara no so it's saying this this girl la tarara yes this girl no there's just it's kind of a it's a strange song it's it's a a folk song but i just love the imagery of this woman kind of moving through the landscape sort of like you know made it in the more esque i just like songs that women are just dancing around doing their thing yeah in the world I, i think that's cool I like like just like the music of it. Like it's so there's a it's like this you strip away everything other than what exactly you need to make the song like, like powerful because it's so it's yeah, it's, yeah. I never heard I never heard it before and I was like oh this is cool like it's it has, so beautiful yeah it has yeah it has it has a like it has a vibe a really good like, yeah yeah well and I I love old Spanish folk music i just think it's it's beautiful lots of different influences from lots Mm -hmm. of different places in the world and um yeah gorgeous stuff yeah what what is the sexiest song okay oh definitely (laughs) la macorina by chavela vargas so uh i mean every i hope people know the work of Chavela Vargas, amazing Costa Rican-born, but Mexican um, uh, songwriter and performer. She is amazing, was amazing. Um, But La Macorina is a song, uh, it's very erotic, actually. It's like (laughs) literally sexy. And the chorus is Ponme la mano aquí, which means put your hand here, Macorina. So it's like, you know, oh yeah. And it's just be- beautifully written, gorgeously arranged, extremely sexy. The language is gorgeous. Um, I think there's a line, you know, my 
I don't speak Spanish very well and I, my translation is most likely very flawed, but there's a line where she says, you know, Macorina, the, the sugar canes are throwing themselves down on the road so that when you pass by, you could grind them. Oh my your gosh. Feet. And I was just like, what? Whoa. Wow. That's amazing. And then in the end, she's saying, what am I supposed to do with the smell of woman lingering in my in oh my, my bed? It, like, it smells so good. What am I going to do with myself? And I'm just like losing my Ooh. mind. So beautiful. That's incredible. Yeah. Sexy. Her a gorgeous song. And her performance, like her voice is so like <laughs> God, like her vibrato. And like there's moments where she's there's this like kind of growl like in her yes. oh my it's it's so well, that that's part of what I love so much about yeah. it. Like you can hear her gritting her teeth. Yes. Like, you can... put your hands on me. Ooh, I know. you know. Yeah. It's Ooh. yeah. No knowing some of those words, like hearing it's like, oh, I need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It kind of like it makes you dizzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I've her I I don't know her work really well. I know of it and I know some of it and yeah, I need to this made me realize like I need to dig deeper because what I do know and then the, it's like it's incredible. So Oh, it's so it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's like my homework for the next few days is to <laughs> Get into Chavez La Vargas. Yeah. <laughs> Way worse ways I could spend my time. Um, <laughs> so what is the best hype song? The best hype song is called Rosalia. And it's by the Dominican, like, hero of Dominican music, Juan Luis Guerra. He is amazing. I grew up listening to his albums. One of the great things about Rosalia is that it's the opening track of his album, Burbujas de Amor, I think. Mm. And when it comes on, it's like, I can literally sing the, I've listened to this song so many times, but it just like opens with such a bang. And, um, you know, it's interesting because it kind of reminds me about uh, of the song Dusa Dama Jolia that we were talking about, where the guy is just like begging the lady. But in this song, he's like, he is so in love with this woman, Rosalia. He is like in a state of ecstasy and she's leaving him uncertain about her affections. Like, does she, does she love him? He doesn't know. He's been knocking on her door. She hasn't opened her door. So he like runs off to the mountain and he's singing and, and the flowers are accompanying his song. And so are the crickets. And there's like a stream and everything is beautiful and he's so in love and he's so distressed that she won't tell him how he feels and he's like rosalia tell me that my love burns you tell me that you need me you know he's but it's all in the context of this like overflow of joy and ecstasy and love i oh it's so good all anybody has of to course do the is music like, is oh yeah like as soon as i put it on it was within like five seconds like oh i gotta get up and move like you can't just yeah. sit there and listen to it but i think anybody Absolutely just not. listening to you talk about it is it like enough to make anybody excited about this song like you're it's, <laughs> like i'm like oh man like i i was excited just when i heard it, but now i'm like even more excited because everything you're saying is yeah i can tell how oh, much it's so good it just yeah and you you have to it's designed i think it's, it's bachata so it's kind of designed to be danced to and um, the whole, in fact, I would recommend the whole album, Burbujas de Amor, um, which I think means bubbles of love. Anyway, um, it's amazing. There are some tracks on there that are kind of slower and more laid back. And those are some of the most beautiful songs I know, actually. They're really gorgeous album. Awesome. So, yeah, I recommend that with my whole heart. Okay, more homework. <laughs> sounds great to me this is it's not homework it's fun things to do okay we're coming we're coming down the home stretch coming towards the end here so what is the song that means the most to you and not necessarily because of the song itself but because like you associate it with like a certain memory or an experience or a person and it's well yeah this wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, actually. So the song is Die Schätzbarkeit der Weitnerden. And it's a, it's from a Bach cantata. Mm -hmm. And 
when I was really little, uh, my parents had this album of the amazing soprano Kathleen Battle and the amazing violinist Itzhak Perlman playing um, excerpts from Bach cantatas that involved um, violin obligato lines. Mm-hmm. And first of all, Bach is one of my very favorite music creators. His music is so passionate and beautiful and intricate and real and alive. I really worship Bach. But anyway, um, the album is so incredible. I mean, the two of them are such stunning musicians. And the whole time, they're just like soaring around each other, really conjuring Mm -hmm. all these gorgeous moods and evoking emotions and um, embodying the music in the way that one wants to embody music, you know? (laughs) But I was really little, and I remember when I heard the album, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Oh, wow. You know, it was like when I realized (laughs) that I really wanted to be a singer and that I wanted Mm -hmm. to dedicate my life to music, I I was just like, this is, this is, this is the right thing. Yeah, so that's, it's a really, that song especially just like stuck in my head. I love that song, so yeah yeah it's it's like this yeah i always think the the thing one of the things that always strikes me about the those performances because i remember i like i kind of i know of kathleen battle and i some I, years and years ago i had asked for, like for people i was like what are recommendations of, like where can i like really hear her and somebody recommended yeah. this album to me of her and it's a perlman no wow. yeah and wow. and it just i mean it blew my mind because it's this like both of them are like technically flawless. Like, I mean, they have so much yeah. technical, but, but the thing yeah. that, you know, there's a lot of people who it's like, they have the technical ability, but it's sometimes it feels too technical and like it's, it's missing mm-hmm. the emotion. They, they are, this performance is the, like one of the best examples of when you can combine this incredible technicality with so much feeling and emotion and it becomes this otherworldly thing. Mm-hmm. And this that whole yeah that, i mean that whole cd is just <laughs> yeah it's a heartbreaker it's so yeah. beautiful i love that you know that album it's really such a special creation for yeah. the world yeah it i don't i don't know that i've ever talked to anybody else ever about it other than when it was a friend of mine who recommended somebody who i haven't talked to probably in years but it was yeah oh, well. so. I feel like I tried to see, try to reach out to me like, hey, remember that? <laughs> it's a sign. Yeah, it's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> okay, so we we're at the last question, the most important question. It's not the most important question. What is your favorite song? Maybe it is the most important song question. I don't know. But what's your favorite song? <laughs> oh my gosh! I know this was hard for you. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. No, and I almost forgot my answer. <laughs> Okay, so this this is not a perfect response. This is not the perfect answer because I I actually couldn't answer this. I don't know. I do not know. There are so many. Well, and but, my, okay, and, and it changes. Mine changes. Like my it favorite song right constantly. now is different than it'll probably be next week. So this is a slice of a moment in time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> thank you for that qualification. Yeah. Well, a song that really has just like. You know, if I'm thinking about songs that I'm just like, oh, that song. Okay. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, I Let Love In. Mm-hmm. That is such a dark, heavy, kind of disgusting song. And I love it so much. It's so good. Far worse to be love's lover than the lover that love has scorned. Those oh, are yeah. the words of a bitter individual and i just love it you could tell me you could somebody could just hand me these lyrics and tell me like this is some old like medieval poem or something i'd be like yeah (laughs) i know that tracks (laughs) yeah it has that drama it has that extremity of heartbreak yes in a way that's just turned seething and dark and um i love to hear it and then i love to put it on and walk around in a bad mood I feel like that that part of you is related to the part of you that comes out when you play games. It's like adjacent. Yeah, it's, yeah. 
It's like Dark Nina. Yeah. <laughs> the bad kind of Nina. <laughs> well, no, but it, you know, listening to it too, I'm like, you know, I this this resonates with me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like it it also speaks for me and I appreciate that. I I hadn't listened to this in a long time. I don't remember the last time I I listened to it. And I one of the things that kind of struck me, I was like, God, this so this just sounds like the 90s too. Like the production of it is so 90s sounding to me. And I don't mean that yeah. in a like bad way or a good way. It's like not, I'm not making any value judgment on it, but it just there's that 90s sound that you well, know and the it when you opening hear. that like vaguely western yeah. sounding opening. It almost sounds like the, you know, the beginning of a yeah an old yeah, like western like film walked in the saloon like <laughs> yes. threw the doors open and then this it's nick cave about to sing to you about how yeah bitter i do i love nick cave i i just great great music and actually i i first listened to his the first thing i heard of his was a music video of him and pj harvey who is amazing who i adore um they were doing a kind of their take on an old murder ballad called henry lee yeah and i just went crazy for that that video was so awesome so sexy and gross and um just loved it (laughs) no that's a that's a that's a good pick. And this is the fun thing for me about this is like, I get to think about all these songs I haven't thought about in a long time. And yeah, like, cause I, I remember when the, like hearing this when, cause this was, this was like mid nineties and I was having, I was having like a moment of like, I was really into Nick Cave and I was also, that was, I think when I kind of got into Tom Waits, it was when Bone oh, Machine yeah. came out. Or like I think Bone oh, Machine was a little so- earlier, but that album, I, I still think about that album. I was just like, like it made me realize you can do anything like it's like you can just like turn a junkyard and some bones into a drum kit or something i don't know what's going on here and (laughs) why not yeah and but i i've always loved the sort of melodrama of nick cave like it's oh yeah a lot of people couldn't pull it off because it's so it feels so overly serious where in other hands, it would just be like it would be kind of corny. It'd be like, "Oh, come on!" But he he can do it. Like he nails. No, it. he yeah, he knows what he's doing. It is like who he is. Right, it's his thing. Like yeah. it's so it's so like pure coming from him. Whereas I think yeah. it could easily sound like someone you're oh, you're just putting on an act or you know. But for him, from him, it's like yeah, no, your your soul is and heart is black and. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe he's a lovely person. I don't know. You know, I know very little about Nick Cave. But anyway, well, that is a wonderful end. This was awesome. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you. I enjoyed this a lot. And it was really cool to get to think about these questions. Good. I'm glad. Is there anything before we go that you want to mention, tell people to look out for, check out, like, Oh, well, <laughs> my brain's like still in music question land. Um, well, just that my, you know, if you want a spooky compilation yes. of music for your fall adventures, you know, check me out on YouTube and um, Instagram because I will be providing. Perfect. And I will include links in the show notes to all of those things. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brad. Yes, thank you. This is awesome. Once again, I just want to thank Nina Dante for taking the time doing this and just embracing the concept and just, it's a really vulnerable experience to do this. And it's one of the things that I've realized and I have so much appreciation and gratitude for everybody who has kind of signed up to do this and has gone for it. And it's just been so much fun. I think I've had a blast. I think my guests have had a blast. I think we've gotten to know each other better and it's really just been this wonderful sort of beautiful experience. And I hope you all enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoy doing it. Um, as always, you know, you can find me on various social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, blue sky, Mastodon. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Foxy digitalis. There are, there's a whole extra Patreon section of these episodes that you get some extra categories and conversation. 
And it supports all the work that Foxy Digitalis does and just, yeah. And it's generally a good time over there. So, and check out the playlist. In the show notes, there's a playlist, a YouTube playlist for every episode. So it's all the picks from that episode in a handy-dandy YouTube playlist. So, lots of things. Um, Next time, I'm very excited that the guests will be Eric Mingus, who is someone I've gotten to know a little bit and whose music I've really gotten to know and... It's a good one. All right. Until then, y'all, take care of yourself and keep listening to whatever the hell you want.